Welcome to the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo. Johnny is here as well as we do each and every week at this time. We'll be joined by Packers standout offensive lineman Corey Lindsley coming up a little bit later in the program. He did play for Ohio State, as of course all of you know, so we'll do that and have some, some fun with him. Uh, but we start with uh, kind of an interesting – we did the television show today, and there were there were really two – interesting things that were kind of happening in Buckeye world this week. Um, I know we had the wrestling over the weekend, which a lot of people I know are kind of into. Um, but, but in terms of this week, it, it, the basketball and then the Shiano stuff, which is kind of hanging over in the national signing day, let's start with the hoops because it's something tangible that we can kind of wrap our arms around a little bit. And it's not quite as abstract as the Shiano stuff is in the national signing day stuff is. So let's start there and, and let's, so you, you have Indiana and Illinois, last week so two things from the week that jump out to me before we get into purdue which is just a behemoth before we get to that two things number one i think barring him not playing the rest of the season you know anything less than like a 60 percent clip of what he's been to this point k debates the up has sewed up sewn up big 10 player of the year um he, he was incredible against illinois um, it's a game where Illinois was really came out ready to go and was out playing Ohio State. You have the craziness with the Cam Williams suspension, which comes down, you know, shortly before game. And then you have to play without him. And Illinois is a team that kind of makes that hard to play without Cam. And and it was really on Bates D up to be great. And he had 34 and 13 or some crazy double double thing. And it was it was his best game as a Buckeye. And he really put the team on his shoulders and and to me cemented his spot clearly atop the Big Ten is the Big Ten player of the year. Uh, two more impressive wins. I mean, you know, look, the, the Big Ten is not what it was, you know, 10 years ago even, but the, the top of the league is very good with Michigan State, Purdue, and then Ohio State slides in. But the way Chris Holtman's team has dominated the, the, the rest of the league is something you just have to tip your cap to. The way that they show up each and every night and get it done, they're a joy to watch. I would also say this. We were wondering if this Buckeye Nation would ever get behind this team, and it appears that they did on Sunday. There were, you know, nineteen thousand people. At yeah, the shot they came out for a noon game on, on Super good. Bowl Sunday. Yeah, you'll take that. This was a good week. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, you can look for negatives if you want. I mean, I was one of the things I was thinking of during the game, uh, aside from the fact that they had to come back from another early deficit which honestly at this point like that i mean i kind of just accept that as their mo and i i enjoy it and i kind of have fun with it because you know they're going to come back i mean they'll they'll get down 10 15 20 points early and just say whatever and then storm back and that's hilarious but honestly i mean this is you you this is all gravy at this point you've got 20 wins you're in the big 10 championship hunt yeah. for the regular season uh you've got a game against one of the best teams in the country that if you win you basically put yourself in the driver's seat for the rest of the season none of this is what people expect at the beginning of the year and i i don't know i'm just really excited about it i, I think it's a lot of fun and the way kata beats the up is playing is just i mean even when his his jump shot isn't falling even when he doesn't have all of these things going for his game he just finds ways to contribute and get back into it and become just a, an enormous force uh, on the court just all over the place and it was it was a lot of fun watching him against Illinois just because of what he's able to do everywhere I mean he's so versatile and yeah. uh you know the rest of the he had to pick up a lot of slack for guys I mean really they don't win that game unless he has the game of his career in terms of you know scoring points uh because there are a lot of guys who were not playing well and that's what you got to do when you're going to be a big 10 player of the year so it was a lot of fun yeah, to he, watch it was cool he, 
It was. Uh, you know, two other things that, that stem from this. We'll get to Cam in a second. I want to point out the comments from Chris Holtman about Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate is kind of the last, to me, he feels like, I mean, I know Bates Diop's a four-year guy too, but, you know, those two, they're kind of the guys who have been through all of it. Right. I mean, they've really seen the full spectrum of the program, you know, from the, the lowest of lows and now potentially to to a very high high. And Jay Sean Tate is just playing his ass off. I mean, he's just playing <laughs> – so hard. He had 16 against Indiana. He had another uh, 13 or so against Illinois. I mean, just he's so active, so dominant in, in terms of imposing his will and the joy and the energy. And Holtman said this week, if they if he's not on some sort of Big Ten team, I will drive to the Big Ten offices. And it made me happy because I think that kid's attitude has always been above board and his effort has always been incredible. He was like the one constant, you know, through all of the, oh, yeah, you know, the, season, yeah. the end oh, of the yeah. last few years of just the drudgery of the last few years, he's been the one thing that was kind of fun to watch. I mean, he's not supremely talented, but he plays hard and he's got a great attitude about him. And so to see him being rewarded with the way he's playing on the court, it brings great joy to me. And so I'm, that makes me very happy. The Cam Williams thing is a big deal. This is a very big deal. This is a very, very short bench on this this is there's no depth on this team i mean they they play five or six i mean they can't get too far into that thing it, it goes south in a hurry and you're going to see it against purdue on wednesday i mean the loss of cam williams and he's not going to play against purdue the loss of cam williams is a big one against purdue because of his stability because of the years in the program because of what he can give him from a spurtability standpoint offensively this is a huge loss for ohio state when you're playing a team like purdue so this and, and we don't know how long this is going to go. My my gut feeling is is that it probably ends. I could see it going into Iowa, but not any further. That's my guess. I don't have any inside information. That's my guess. Um, but him having to sit out Illinois and then the Purdue game is a pretty big punishment. If he has to sit out Iowa too, then that'd be the end of it. But this is a this is a very big loss going into the Purdue game, losing yeah. Cam Williams. Well, Holman, I mean, was you know saying that he's going to make sure he's he's getting to the classes that he's supposed to, and and made yeah. some comments alluding to that. And hopefully, you can turn around uh, that whole situation pretty quickly. I mean, I agree with you. We were talking on Slack a little bit about uh, Musa Jallo and you know just the the depth in general that you're looking at on the bench. Uh, Musa Jallo has not scored a point, I believe, in the last 77 minutes that he's been on the court, yeah. um, which is pretty pretty insane. Um, and actually, I was looking at this. I think it was against. I don't know if it was against Indiana or another team, but if he hadn't attempted two shots, he would have had nine minutes on the court with no stats. He would have had a nine trillion, which would have been wow. kind of insane. So, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, again, it's not, you know, Musa Jallo I think has a lot of potential and I think he can be really good in the future, but that's, that's the kind of thing that you're looking at when you're thinking about, you know, can we replace a guy like Cam? And, and again, he hasn't had a great, great season, but he's a guy who has been there a lot longer than some of the other dudes and can fill in for a few minutes and do other things that some of the other guys can't and to have him out, especially when you're going against Purdue, which can send a lot of different dudes at you uh, with some size as well. Like that's, that's, that's going to hurt a little bit. So I, you know, I'm not super optimistic for the Purdue game. I'm not, I'm not, you know, thinking that they're going to roll in there and do what they did against Michigan state, but they still, you know, <laughs> they got a puncher's chance and Ohio state has shown this season that they can punch. So, I just I want it to be an exciting game. I just hope they stick with it. Given their mentality, I do not see this team getting blown out, uh, even though it's it's going to be a really tough environment and they're playing a really great team. Um, I don't know. I you know what this this team doesn't have to prove anything to me right now. I just want to no. see 
what they're capable of doing and and what Holtman is able to kind of bring to the table in a game like this. Um, so this is not a, a make-or-break game, but this is definitely going to be a very interesting one to see how they approach it. It's house money. Yeah, it's house money. I mean, they have 20, they're 20 and 5. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've got the Big Ten Player of the Year front runner on the roster. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is house money. That said, the expectations have changed. Um, I tend to agree with you. I, they're going to play. They haven't quit. I mean, they, they, their give-a-damn levels have been high all year. It's not going to change in West Lafayette. I mean, this is a circle the wagons type game. The, mm-hmm. the problems, though, are finite. I mean, the two Edwardses are spectacular, Carson and Vince. And the so I, at 7'3", 290 pounds, there's no answer. And, and he <laughs> is, you know, like Wesson and Potter, you know, like he's the kryptonite. I mean, he's a lot of people's kryptonite, but there's there's really nothing that Ohio State can do on this matchup. And so this is even more than Michigan State, where you're basically saying our athletes can match your athletes, at least to some degree. Purdue is just a, it's just a matchup. It's just the worst possible matchup. That, that you could see. And and this Purdue team, by the way, and this is incredible because Matt Painter's been there a long time. This is the best Purdue team that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen one better. This, the, and it, it's also, now I say that it's a product of where college basketball is right now with so many freshmen playing. This is a veteran team. I mean, this is a team that can win the national championship. There haven't been that many Purdue teams that you looked at and said, yeah, they can win the national title. I mean, you probably go back to like the Glenn Robinson teams in the mid 90s to find a Purdue team that you looked at and said, yeah, that team could win it all. That team yeah, could win I, it all. And this yeah, one I mean, can. So this has been a, this has been a fun story for the Big Ten. Oh, I really, I mean, it's interesting because I've always thought, first of all, I, it's it's insane that Matt Painter's been there as long as he's been. Like, for whatever reason, it just feels like he just showed up. And I don't know why that feels that way to me, but he's been around for a long time. Purdue's always yeah. been like a potential Sweet 16 kind of team to me. They've never yep. felt like a real Final Four threat. And that's not really an indictment of, of Painter or, any, or anything like that or their program. It just has never seemed like, okay, we're going to got, you know, we got Tom Izzo here and maybe they didn't have a great season, but you know who he is. And they're always a threat to make that final four. Um, I, I'm happy for Purdue. I think that's cool that they have that situation. I'm not ecstatic because I think that, you know, they're one of those schools that can jump up and maybe hurt Ohio State in terms of things like recruiting and whatnot, because it's in terms of prestige. I think those are the types of guys that sometimes you can compete with when you've got an established name like Matt Painter. I know Purdue doesn't necessarily bring a lot to the table in terms of like, you know, attractiveness as a maybe location, but right. Um, right. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to West Lafayette and then going to Columbus and pretty man, dreadful. I really, I want to see those windmills out there. Um, it's pretty dreadful, man. It's bad. But, pretty dreadful. but I think, yeah, I think Painter brings no, a lot to the table and, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, and it's and I he seems like a class guy. I like that, you know. I'm cool with it. I think it's it's good to see. Uh, this will be uh, this will be a hands full situation. Um, yeah. This is this is this is a bad matchup. Uh, let let's switch over and and talk a little bit about football. So the Shiano, I, I I put myself. I tried today on the television show to put my my head in the in the mind frame and the mindset of Greg Shiano, who and Urban Meyer for that matter, who in December, at some point, believed he was going to be the head coach at Tennessee. And believed it. And Urban Meyer went out and found Alex Grinch. And Alex Grinch is going to be the new defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And Greg Shiano is going to be the coach at Tennessee. And that was a fait accompli. And all of a sudden, we all know what happened. Social media, outstor- outrage, not over 
anything that had to do with what Shiano actually did at Penn State, but just the idea of they didn't want Greg Shiano to be the head coach at Tennessee. By the way, they ended up with worse. But th- that's really not the real issue here. It's it's that Greg Shiano, based on that, has had to, from my vantage point, Johnny, completely reconfigure his life. His goal when he came to Ohio State was to become a head coach in big-time college football. Very clearly, that's what he decided to do. He could have been an assistant coach in the NFL anytime he wanted to. He chose to come back to Ohio State because he wanted to coach big-time college football because that's where his most success was at, was at Rutgers. Because of social media outrage and uh, an athletic department that didn't have the guts to stick with their decision, and for the other one, which I can't explain, which is the belief that now nobody will hire him, to coach college, which is crazy. I don't understand that at all. Like, I don't, I don't else believe that's well, true either. Like, I, I think doesn't that, make any damn sense. Yeah. Yeah. So now it appears that he's basically saying, well, the hell with that. Um, I, I guess I got to go the NFL route and, and hope <laughs> I can get back to being a head coach that way. And the and all of the things that I'm reading, unsubstantiated, and I saw Bruce Feldman come on and say, you know, not quite, nothing's been agreed to, but there's a lot of smoke that Greg Shiano is going to be something on the New England Patriots staff. Um, and it's it's just a crazy turn of events for this guy. And I think we all knew that two years was about it for Shiano and he was going to want to get out. And it looks like that's what's going to happen. But I can't help but be curious to what's going through his head as these events have transpired over the last 60 days. And I don't know Greg Shiano at all. All I know is he's done a very good job working for Ohio State and Urban Meyer. That's the only thing I know. I don't know him personally at all. But this is a hell of a turn of events. Yeah. Well, and I i mean, look, the dude, I, for my money, I would say that this is a guy who just kind of wants to move on a little bit. Not that he doesn't like being at Ohio State and not that he, uh, you know, wouldn't, I think, be very successful at Ohio State again, you know, being defensive coordinator or whatnot. But I think he always viewed this job as a stepping stone. And yes. whatever that means to get him back in a head coaching job, I think he's going to try to figure that out. So yeah. again, it's, it's not, I'm not shocked by this because I expected him to find a job somewhere doing something. I, I'm going to expect it to be a head coaching job in, in college football. And I will yeah. say that I, I don't think that, you know, all the stuff that happened with Tennessee aside, I mean, think, I think he could get a head coaching job at the end of next season. Um, that isn't Tennessee because that that is an insane place to try to to live up yeah. to both fan expectations and the expectations of you know their administration everything that just goes along with the baggage of Tennessee volunteer football uh, is just psychotic. So the idea that Greg Schiano can't get a, a head coaching job in college football I think is crazy. But I just think that this was his you know time. He was like, all right, Urban, we're buddies. We're going to go into this. We'll take care of it. I got a couple years and then I'm going to move on. But his goal has always been, you know, a head coaching gig, something. And I think he kind of just felt like maybe the, you know, maybe the waters were tainted a little bit this season with college football. And he just wanted to move on some other way um, and maybe get away from the, all the talk and stuff that went on with Tennessee. And by doing that in the NFL, again, he's not he's not gone. I mean, you don't really know exactly what's going to happen with this and things could change. No, we don't. Change. But I, you know, for my, for me, I was just looking at this guy, like, clearly this is not a dude who's going to be sticking around for 20 years and finishing out his career in Columbus. And I think he just made that decision sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that, um, that you can say on a, you know, 
I think that you could say with some pretty good certainty that, and there's always been conjecture about Urban, how long is he going to stick around? Right. I think if Greg Schiano thought there was any chance that he could replace Urban at some day, and I know Ryan Day's on the other side of the ball, and he would be an attractive candidate as well, potentially. Um, but if he thought that there was a chance that he could, that Urban would be stepping down anytime soon, maybe he waits it out. I mean, that's just my me hypothesizing. I really think it just comes down to he doesn't want to deal with the college thing. He's his his you know the taste in his mouth is so poor after what happened at Tennessee that he just he wants out of it and and to be done with it. And so that, that looks like what's going to happen. Nothing official yet, but that's everybody I talk to seems to think that it that it will happen. Uh, so this will leave two jobs open. It'll leave uh, the Shiano job and the Kerry Combs job. Um, Dan wrote a great piece for the site today about the ways that Ohio State could tackle this. Um, obviously Grinch, you know, steps in as defensive coordinator, but then you can kind of really shuffle, reshuffle a lot of things. And he basically threw a bunch of stuff at the wall and, and we'll see what sticks. But I did, I thought it was a good story and worth your read. Uh, if you haven't yet read it yet, I recommend that you do. My only concern with all of this is just urban's trust level. Will he trust the people that are hired? Because, um, you know, right. Luke Fickle was a warm security blanket over Urban for a long time, and they were able to go from Luke Fickle to Greg Schiano, who you know is good at his job. Um, and while we all think Alex Grinch might be fine and, uh, you know, Bill Davis, and obviously we trust Larry Johnson, but the rest of that defensive staff, there there should be – it would be natural for you to have trepidation if you're a Buckeye fan about that staff because there's yeah. not a whole lot of – outside of Larry Johnson – there's not a whole lot of proven college recruiters, dominators. I mean, it's just not. So, I mean, they're really starting over on that side of the ball. How many How many Ohio State fans do you think have followed Washington State's defense real closely over the past, like, year oh, or so? I've Same watched Washington State. Because, right, yeah, because, because I love Mike Leach. And so I've watched Washington State probably a dozen times in the last three years. And it seems like every time I turn them on, they're, it's 48 to 42. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's you know, what I'm saying. That's what it seems like, you know. And if you look at so, this, I, I'm they, sure it's not what it is, better. but that's what it seems like. Right, yeah. they've gotten better on defense, uh, especially the last season. And I, you know, I think Grinch has played a lot of, had a huge role in that, and and really sure. helped cultivate defense with Mike Lee. And that's part of why they've gotten a lot better so quickly is that they, you know, were able to make some stops. Uh, but you know, like this is going to be one of those things where it really will. Like you were talking about at the beginning of last season, how it kind of sets up for it. It seems like it has echoes of Urban's last season at Florida, where yeah. you know, does he yep. trust his coordinators? Is he going to freak out a little bit? Well, it's easy to trust your coordinators when you've got guys like Shiano, you know, and yep. Kevin Wilson kind of helping you out a little bit. But when you've got these really young guys who are maybe coming in and have a lot more influence on the biggest parts of your your team, and maybe you don't know these guys as well, and maybe you don't really trust their credentials as well. I think that's where some of that strain starts to show. Again, this is to say nothing about, you know, Day or Grinch. I think both of them are, are really good coaches. But um, how much will Urban give them the yeah, – how much, how much you know, slack on their leashes will Urban give them, I guess, is really the question yeah. here, uh, to really make it their team and their units. Because I don't know. I mean, history has kind of shown sometimes that he's not as reluctant – or not as willing to do that. He's kind of reluctant to do that. And honestly, I think this is the perfect time for him to do that. So I mean, will he take that risk? I don't know. I mean, we said that several times last year, like mm -hmm. this is the game to take that opportunity, be crazy, do whatever. <laughs> and he doesn't yeah. do it. He refuses no. to do that, which is fun. Like I get that you want to win in the surest way possible, but uh, micromanaging every single thing possible is not always the best thing 
uh, for a team in the long run, and especially when you're starting a new quarterback and you have all these skill players and all those things like that. So um, I don't know. I think, you know, reports over the spring and the summer will be very telling about how much input a guy like Grinch has and, and, you know, how available he is for interviews and things like that. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm personally excited. I kind of want to see the evolution of this team. It does feel like you've had the same kind of thing ever since the national championship and it hasn't really evolved any. So uh, there's definitely going to be some evolution in uh, 2018. Yes, there is. This is, I mean, we are headed for, just and I mean intrigue is not that doesn't do yeah. it justice. Uh when you talk about a quarterback change, you talk about the changes offensively, defensively. I mean, this is gonna be it almost feels like a restart of the of the program a little bit. So I mean yeah. and that leads to excitement. So you know I, I think a lot of the fans will agree to that. Still to come, we do ask us anything, but first former Buckeye Corey Lindsley drops by the show. But before we do that, we do encourage you to check out the dry goods store at elevenwarriors.com. Be sure to visit 11 Warriors Dry Goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. All right. It is our great pleasure to bring on one of our favorites, Corey Lindsay, former Buckeye standout, current Green Bay Packers standout, joining us. Um, first of all, did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? And, and what did you think as an offensive player of more passes being attempted to quarterbacks than punts attempted? Yeah. That, that was kind of crazy, kind of a crazy statistic. Uh, yeah, I, I watched it. Um, went over a friend of ours, Dan and I, and uh, had a good time. I mean, no big deal. I'm not one of those guys who like won't watch it or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. And I thought what was another pretty cool statistic. I tweeted this out. Trey Burton, who was my roommate at the combine, he the first Urban Meyer quarterback to throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which, he, he was he was recruited as a quarterback in sure. Florida. I remember him telling me, and like one of the first things Coach Meyer told him when he got there was like, "You're playing tight end." But he, uh, but yeah, that was awesome for him. So happy for him. Trey's a great guy, and, and that was that was pretty cool to watch. Corey, I, I'm curious with the longevity of Brady. Obviously, you play with a guy that many think if Brady's not the best ever, a lot of people think Aaron Rodgers is. Um, when you see the longevity of Brady at 40. Uh, what type of confidence? I know Aaron takes great care of himself. Obviously, he had the injury this year, but, but what type of confidence does that give you that maybe he can duplicate that with you guys? Yeah, I think obviously a, a huge portion of that has to go to whatever Tom does. I know he he came out with that book or whatever, but um, yeah, but whatever the, the the things that Brady does obviously is um, ha, has to have a huge. Um, is a huge factor in his longevity, but I think too, just, just how the game is now, how the practices are, how players are managed now. I think that's, that's a huge uh, part of it too. And that, that does give you a little bit of confidence going forward that this, this might be a new, the dawning of a new age where quarterbacks can play into their early forties to mid forties. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's good news for, for us. And, for Green Bay, I guess that, um, that Aaron could be around for a, a very long time. Corey, isn't it something when you think about as you think about the evolution of the game? You know, Philadelphia won a Super Bowl. You know, they, they with Wentz, you know, was was so great on the way to maybe the MVP, and then Foles comes in and they're off. I mean, they run a lot of RPO, and you look at what uh, what Houston did this year and the success they had with Deshaun Watson, and they really opened up. You know, they were for the first time. It seems like the NFL is kind of open to taking stuff that that works in college 
and applying it to the National Football League. I mean, it seems like there's this is a real open-minded time in the National Football League. Yeah, I, th- I think we've. I think what what has happened is, you know, Chip Kelly came to the NFL, and and I think that was. I know. I, I remember watching the the Dolphins with Ricky Williams, and they would do that Wildcat thing, and yeah, um, you know, that kind of never really came. Uh, you know, came to fruition, but they, um, but the Chip Kelly came to the NFL. You saw him not have a lot of success, but a lot of the stuff that he did was interesting. And I, I, I think it, and I know he's met with uh, Belichick and a, a lot of NFL coaches on passing routes and different um stuff. But I think that what you've seen is the, you know, a guy, there was, there's the college aspect of it where, you know, Coach Meyer runs it the um, there's a lot of teams that run the the, yeah. the option, the spread option, whatever it's called, um, and, and that does that by itself doesn't necessarily work in the NFL. But you've seen the little aspects of that game um, come into the NFL, like like you said with the Eagles, the run play, the RPOs, the um, and, and with Deshaun Watson, and you've seen it for years with uh, Russell Wilson in, in Seattle too. Yeah. So that. I think what what you're seeing is not necessarily a, a dramatic change, more so just um, new elements of the game being used. Same thing with the, with the positions with the tight end, the scat backs, and all this other stuff. So I'll actually, I want to ask you about your specific position because Ohio State has had some really great, just a really excellent run of players, not just on the offensive line, but at center and, and being able to do that. What has allowed Ohio State to cultivate that specifically at that position? Yeah, I think shoot, I'm I'm a bum compared to these guys. They're they're <laughs> Remington Award winners, and, and you know they're they're balling out. They're doing a hell of a job. And, and they're um, Pat and Billy. I mean, Pat Billy's gonna be like a first second rounder. Pat was a third, and um, it's awesome for them. But they, uh, I think, I think it's luck. I mean, luck in the sense that that position just is, has been the one that that is. Um, that has received a lot of success in recent years because, you know, we, we've had, I mean, you look at Norwell, Norwell, Andrew Norwell is about to get paid a lot of money. Jack, should he not have had, you know, got hurt this year, it was in line for a big payday. So we've had a lot of positions, a lot of offensive line um, positions become successful in the NFL, but just center in general, um, it just happens to be that that position is the one that um, we, we've had success. I mean, relative success over the past decade, two decades, really. Um, and especially guys that aren't even, didn't even make it to the NFL or, or um, didn't have extended careers, um, still had successful careers at Ohio State. So that's, that's kind of just been a position. I don't know that there's a particular reason, um, but it, it's, you're right. It, it, it's been, it's been awesome to be, continue on that tradition to whatever level that I did. Corey, do you do you, you allow your, you allow yourself to appreciate this? What you've done? I mean, like you said, you didn't win a Remington, your fifth round pick. Uh, you get to yeah. Green Bay, you're all rookie. Uh, you got speaking of nice paydays, you got a nice payday. Um, was this in your wildest dreams? You know, playing with Aaron Rodgers and playing playing with the yeah. Packers and handle. I mean, this has been a hell of a run. It has, and hopefully it'll keep it'll keep going. I'm hoping this isn't it, but it's it. I I tell people a lot, and I I know. A lot of guys will um, that I that I talk with. It's all it's all the same. When you 
when you look back on it, you know, you look back at your career, you look back at things in the past and you, you, you kind of say like, oh, that was, um, you reflect on them and you reflect positively or negatively on it. But while you're in it and in the moment, you're kind of just, you're trying to achieve whatever is in the moment. So for me, I mean, it's, you know, it was awesome to, to get that contract, but, um, it, you know, I got to go out and earn it now. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and be one of those guys that gets cut early. And that's, you know, that's the next goal. So you're always, you're constantly moving. And, you know, that old phrase, success is a journey. You know, I think it was Bruce Lee. He said that quote, um, <laughs> right. but it is, I mean, it is a journey. It's constantly evolving and you're constantly moving and there's really no time to, to sit back and relax because, this this in you know this game's fleeting as you've seen with Ryan Shazier shoot it could be over in a second so yeah I mean I really to answer your question no I'm still moving <laughs> well, the NFL still, doesn't allow it right I mean the league yeah, doesn't exactly. allow it you don't, you don't have guaranteed contracts they can cut you at any point um yep. you know I mean unlike other sports you know the one thing about football that that really sucks for the players but it's great for the fans is that it doesn't allow it doesn't allow you to rest. It doesn't allow you to, you know, quote, get fat. Like you hear NBA, Major League Baseball, oh, he got fat on his contract. You know, like he's yeah. going to get, they're going to get all their money no matter what, which never made sense because you guys are playing the collision sport and yet you guys yeah. don't have guarantee. But at the same time, um, it, it, you don't have a choice. You can't rest on your laurels. Yeah, exactly. And then there are, you hear about the few guys that do just because obviously they're high profile guys, but the, the yeah. guy, like, you know, whoever it may be, um, they get the big, contract guaranteed and then um big contract guarantees and then they kind of fade out um but they but you're right they, they, the nfl and packers and whomever they, they make you work for it and um it's what you got to do nature of the business well the other thing that you've been working on and this is another you know big reason why we wanted to have you on and talk about this is that you've done a lot of great work with uh, wisconsin casa and uh for people who don't really know about that can you talk about what CASA does and why it's so important for the community that you're in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, CASA, it's an acronym. It stands for uh, Court Appointed Special Advocates. So um, I recently, well, actually it was two seasons ago now, um, lady by the name of Kristen, uh, Kristen Jacobs, she is actually from Ohio. She's from Northeast Ohio. Um, her husband is a professor up at St. Norbert's, and I ran into her at a um, a uh, power puff football game powder puff football game that's what it's called um that my wife was playing in for breast cancer awareness but um she starts talking to me about this she's the executive director of it and it's kind of crazy how ohio played a part in this in the connection of me um being involved with this so that was kind of cool but they but what it is is the child under the age of 12 gets put in a child protective services case so they get removed from their house um, there's a case open up. The judge can assign a special advocate to uh, basically hang out with the kid once a week or kids um, once a week for an hour at least and testify or write a report on the kid's behalf because under the age of 12, they can't testify for themselves in court. So you're you're basically the voice for the child, and that's kind of one of the themes of CASA. And it, it's it's obviously been beneficial to us Anna and I do it together my wife and I and it's been awesome but to see these kids and they found out I played football you know and all that they, they love that but but even before that they, they just 
these kids are just kind of in a whirlwind. Their lives aren't um, day to day. It's anything up for grabs. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. But they they're they're so cheerful. They're so innocent, and they're just kind of rolling with the with the punches and and doing whatever. Um, just being kids, and it's awesome to see that. And I think that's the big. I know there's Casa in Columbus, Franklin County, and um, um, there's national Casa all across the country too. So it's it's been uh, it's been an awesome experience, and I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, I I mean I when I found out about this, when I saw that's what you were doing, I thought that was incredible. Um, I you know as a teacher, I've got a lot of students who have been in uh, you know kind of child protective services and done had a lot of other things that they had to deal with. And I'm just really glad that they have this program out there for them. Uh, I think it's amazing that you guys are are working in it. And the only other question I guess I had about that, I was reading on the website, uh, they do like training and things like that. What kind of requirements uh, do you need? Like, do you go through classes? Are there, you know, certifications you have to get? Yeah, I appreciate you saying that too. And yeah, there are, there was a like a 30 hour training, no, no prerequisites. So there's nothing, nothing required before you walk in totally open to, to everybody, but, um, but it was like a 21 hour in class. Um, th- it was 35 hours. Uh, the, the course or the total thing was, but it's, it was 21 hours in the classroom spread out through over a couple of weeks. And you, I mean, I learned honest to God, I didn't know what a social worker was before I walked into that classroom. And I think that speaks to where I came from, uh, how privileged I was to, to come from a, a great home, but it also speaks to my ignorance a little bit to not even know what was going on out there. And, and this, this whole aspect of society that a lot of us don't even, don't ever interact with. And it, it's um, the, the course itself was eye opening. That was even before we, we got assigned uh, kids. So we um, just to take that was amazing. And then you, there's also a courtroom observation that you go to and, um, an online little test you got to take. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was, it was for the course alone, it was worth it. And then obviously to make a difference in a kid's life, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I do think that's fantastic. And I, I love the fact that it's, it's something that they clearly ask people to put time into and to think about and to actually, you know, do a little bit of studying on because it's, it, some of those kids come from incredibly difficult backgrounds and, um, when people put that kind of time and effort to help them, I think that's just an incredibly special thing. So again, I really thank you and your wife for you know, doing so much for those kids. Cause I know they need it. And it's, I, I encourage anybody who's listening to this to, to think about joining that and, and trying to help out kids in Franklin County or wherever they're at. Cause that's, it's a great program. Um, and, and a lot of those kids. Are really it's an amazing, amazing thing that we, we've been involved that we have the privilege of being involved with and um, being able to talk about it and talk to so many people. Yeah definitely encourage anybody that's thinking about doing it, definitely go through it. Corey, thanks for taking the time tonight, man, and uh, continued success. Stay healthy. Uh, Keep making us proud, as you've done. Uh, It's great to see former Buckeyes make good, and and you've certainly done that on and off the field. So uh, appreciate the time, and best of luck to you going forward, pal. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on again. It's always, always awesome talking with you. A reminder for you, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter, rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We do this to close out every show. Ask us anything. It is that time, my friend. What do you have for us this week? 
All right. So again, guys, please continue sending us any questions that you might have about life, the universe, or anything else. Um, uh, <laughs> Which we really appreciate. So that's Dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This one's from Andrew. We've, I've been keeping this in my back pocket for a little bit. We'll try to make it short and sweet. I'll, I'll simplify this question a little bit. But we're in charge of putting together a three-act concert uh, using only bands or artists from Ohio. Uh, so Or have some kind of tie to the state. Like Dave Grohl, for example, from the Food Fighters, Born in Warren. Um, uh, oh, I didn't know who Who's Dave the Grohl. lead... Yeah, oh, he's great. Who's the lead singer of Nine Incredible. Inch Nails? Trent Reznor, Reznor, Trent right? Reznor. Yeah, we have Trent Reznor too. I think he was born in Cleveland, actually. Wow. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you're putting together a three act uh, concert. Which venue in Ohio would you choose, and which three artists slash bands would you uh, throw out there? I'd use Blossom. Would be my venue. Okay. I think it's great. Um, I love the walk down there. I love the natural amphitheater of it um so that would be my venue uh i know a lot of you know you might go for the bigger stadiums or whatever but i, I think that's a pretty good i haven't been to the ones in southwest ohio i don't know what the concert venues are like down there outdoors i like an outdoor concert i like a festival feel um if you say that i can get the foo fighters nine inch nails and the black keys that's pretty hard to beat so i'll go yeah. that way that would be that's those would be the three i pick yeah so that's how i go with that I just looked this up. Reznor uh, did, was not born in, Cl in Cleveland, but he moved to Cleveland after dropping out of college to start his uh, music career. So um, apparently he got a job at Cleveland's Right Track Studio as an assistant engineer slash janitor. So that's pretty good. Fair um, enough. I'll take him. <laughs> I think that counts. I think you bring in Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to go a little weird. I would bring in the Black Keys, but the Black Keys did a double uh, EP or LP or something like that. With another great band from uh, the uh, the great city of uh, I believe Akron, right? They're from Akron. Um, yeah, Black Keys, which yeah. is which? Do you know the other? You know the other incredibly famous, talented band from Akron, right? I don't know if I do or not. Oh, Devo! Like you got to know Devo, right? Oh, Devo! Yeah, I didn't know so, Devo was from here. It also right, occurs so, to me that I forgot OAR. So there, I'm, there, you know, I didn't. We didn't do much. Put much thought into this. All right, continue. Okay, okay. So I've got I got Devo. I got black keys. And then I I'm really glad that we got to this question this week because, you know, I'm from Middletown. It's about a halfway between Dayton and Cincinnati. One of the most yeah. underrated things about Dayton as a city is that it is one of the most important funk cities in the history okay. of the planet. Okay. okay. Uh, so the Ohio players coming out of Dayton, Ohio, all right, are going to be the, are going to be the finale for that. So you start with the black there keys, you let them bring in their funky stuff. Devo gets weird, and the Ohio players send you out uh, at Riverbend uh, down there by the Ohio River. So that's what I would do. That would be my that would be okay. my on that one. There you go. Yeah, this that was certainly more in your wheelhouse than mine. Ohio's got yeah. a lot of really good music. One of my favorite bands actually from Ohio. I didn't think about these guys. Uh, they kind of originated down in Cincinnati, but then they went to Austin, like you know everybody does. Um, but uh, the Heartless Bastards, I'm a huge fan of them, and I've seen them in concert okay. like three or four times. They're really, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so good. Let's, let's do this next one here. This is about um, wrestling in general, you know, how, okay. how wrestling has kind of evolved. And Adam kind of wants to know for us, like, how does Ohio State wrestling sustain the popularity in a post-Snyder era? Well, uh, you know, they, they've had other guys. You know, I mean, there's been other guys. They had Logan Steber, Steiber Steber, who won four in a row. Um, you know, before Kyle, he won four national titles in a row. Logie yep. Bear did. Um, yep. So there's been, there's Jay Jayers did it before, you know, before him. He won national titles. So, I mean, they've had that. 
Um, Kyle, I don't think it is duplicable. I mean, I think he's kind of a once in a lifetime guy. So I don't know if you're going to see 16,000 people watching Ohio State wrestle next year. I mean, in, in that sense, I think it's kind of a one-off and just enjoy it. And you say, you know, it's kind of like the situation the Cavaliers are in, like, you know, trying to, you know, well, when LeBron leaves, you know, maybe we can get the next. Le- no, no, no. There, He's one. You get one LeBron in your life and, and that's it. So just enjoy it and don't try to replicate it down the road. You get one. And that's kind of how I feel with Kyle. I, I think wrestling's made a lot of inroads. I think the one thing about it, though, it is still by, I mean, Kyle Snyder transcends. So he's, he sips, seeps into the mainstream, but wrestling is still very, very niche as, as a sport. Very right. niche. So while Kyle transcends into the mainstream, the rest of the wrestling world does not. So Ohio's a good wrestling state. They're always going to be competitive. Uh, but I don't think it's realistic to think the popularity is going to blow through it. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think if they want to try to sustain, I think the biggest thing is that they need to try to pump up some of these rivalries. I mean, what obviously right. it was kind of heartbreaking losing to Penn State the way they did. I mean, Kyle won but didn't win enough, and it was you know some of these later uh, matches didn't go the way Ohio State wanted them to. I think you got to pump right. that up. I think you have to build up uh, that rivalry between the coaches, between the programs. And I think that will get people to continue to go back to it year after year because they really want to take revenge on Penn State. You're going to come out for that duel and so on. So if they can do that, I think they can maybe sustain a little bit of something. You're not going to get another Kyle Snyder, unfortunately. But uh, I think you can still develop that attitude, that excitement around the program if there's somebody that you could direct your hate towards. So I think it's like you have to go into the W. I think you're right. I think it's the WWE thing. Yeah. Like you kind of need a little of that. You know, and I'll tell you this, you know, Sanderson's going to have it rolling, you know, so that they're not going anywhere. Um, all right. Good stuff. out of ask us anything. And we will uh, we'll be back next week. We thank Corey Lindsay for joining us and we'll uh, yeah, see you next week, John. See you.